You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade. And my guest today is uh, a woman who operates under a pseudonym, and that pseudonym is Default Friend. So Default Friend, uh, thank you for coming on, and can you please introduce yourself in whatever way you wish? Yeah, um, I'm Default Friend, and I overshare on Twitter. And uh, you might have seen my article in the American Mind about Bumble. Yes, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, you know, you say default friend. I always say default friend in my head, but so so I, I'll, <laughs> but I'll say whichever. You know, it's like people mispronounce my name very often, so I'll say uh, I'll say however. It's like data or data. You know, both are right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so you uh, had a, a short essay in. Uh, the American Mind, which is a publication of the Claremont Institute. Uh, the headline is Worse Than a Crime of Bumble. And so it's about Bumble, the dating app and kind of dating apps in general and uh, how app dating and other sorts of uh, online uh, dating have um, taken over. And it's a critique of um, of these apps kind of from sort of from different directions. So parts of it. OK, so why don't you. Um, talk a little bit about why why did you want to write this piece i actually just i tweeted randomly that bumble creeped me out um and james polos like reached out to me and he's like want to write an article about it so i was like all right i guess yeah <laughs> why not okay so okay so you weren't um you, this wasn't like a, a long gestating idea for a uh, for an essay but it was more <laughs> like an impulse you had and uh and then you expanded upon it well yeah i mean so i'm not i I'm a screenwriter, but I don't typically write in this in this format. So this is sort of like my first foray into sharing my opinions on things outside of you know outside of tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I guess a lot of these ideas were sort of circulating. I I try not to use dating apps because they do like strike me as very dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Part, so we'll link to the we'll link to the essay below. Um, okay, so I didn't know that it was uh, James Palos who uh, has been on Blogging Heads like a decade or more ago. Uh, he was on a few times. Hasn't been on in recent times, but an interesting guy. So is he, he's the editor of this uh, of American Mind or he, uh, the uh, the Claremont Institute's kind of post. But so, but I, so one thing that was interesting to me was that um, from your from what I know of you from Twitter, I didn't think of you as a conservative, um, but the Claremont Institute is, as I, as I understand, kind of a conser- was like a conservative think tank, and the, so. But your critique is in some ways a conservative critique, and in some ways it's like an anti-capitalist critique. I know also. that it surprised me that they they after I after I wrote it because I didn't write it thinking about what, what their values were. I was just like, all right, what do I? what's my take on this? Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that they liked it so much. And in fact, most of the people who are sharing it are conservative and they've, they've read it, right? It's not that they're just sharing it because they like the American mind. They're sharing it because they like the content. Yeah. So what, okay. So what, what is, okay. So can you lay out kind of your, what your critique is of, of the, of the dating apps and Bumble in particular? So with, with Bumble in particular, it's, to you know simply it's this like fake sort of sense of empowerment because the women are then put in the masculine role like they they get to choose who they who they speak to because they have they have to start the conversation first it's not just a passive like accepting hey you know seeing where, where it goes 
Um, and I think it's, it's sort of this like endpoint of this idea that if, if women are, if women are more sexual or I guess not more sexual, if they have a more masculine sexuality then they'll feel empowered and dating will be more enjoyable or, I mean, I guess it's, it's more, enjoy, more enjoyable. Um, but it's, it doesn't, to me, it's, it's, it, it's not solving the problem, right? Like the issue is treating dating as a transaction, mm-hmm. not that women are now in the driver's seat and they get to be the ones who make it more transactional. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Okay. So step, so stepping back, um, so the okay, so I I, I just say because I don't think I've said this on the podcast previously is that I got divorced last year, um, so I am now in this world as well of dating apps and coming to it very late because I was in a long relationship that predated dating apps. <laughs> uh, so uh, so I'm discovering all this, you know, ten years after uh, most single people discovered it, and uh, yeah, trying to try to figure it out. So that was one reason I was interested in it. Okay, so the so so Tinder was kind of the first, um heterosexual dating app that, that that was really popular and on tinder you it, you see with people's photos and then if uh, both the the man and the woman match then they get a message saying you match and you can like chat with each other um so that's kind of the default uh no no pun intended and the um and it seemed like uh women had a lot of critiques of bump of tinder that like you know, it just, uh, it was, men only cared about women's bodies, and you would, and if there was a match, you get, like, you know, awful messages, like, you know, very uh, profane messages right off the bat or something, or like, you know, do you just want to come over and fuck right now, and all sorts of, you know, the the male behavior was the problem, and... Uh, it's, it's funny, though, <clears throat> that, I mean, it shouldn't, Tinder is supposed to, you know, it make cruising easy for straight people, which is, it's just not something that existed in the same way in straight culture. Right. Because so didn't Tinder grow out of Grindr? That Grindr I mean, was think, first. Yeah. It was Grindr. And then I think Scruff. Right. So those were gay male, um, apps that were, that were more used for, yeah, cruising or hookups than, um, than dating. Although I guess it could, they could be used for dating as well. Um, but it did sort of come out of a, world of like male male encounters and <laughs> right. i'm guessing the developers were overwhelmingly male i don't know if the developers of tinder were, were gay men or straight men but i'm pretty sure they were men um so yeah so that that uh sort of ethos of it's like i mean these, these are like we're like now we're like i'm like moving into like dangerous stereotype territory but like you know two guys <laughs> see each other they like each other and why not you know why not just like hook up that night and then that um probably doesn't align with what most women are looking for out of the app. Um, and so, so Bumble was like, so with Bumble, um, the, the, the woman has to initiate the conversation. And, um, if the woman, uh, it, um, I think the, the way it works is that and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I only see it from the male perspective. If a man likes a woman, the woman sees that and she can either, uh, like dismiss that or, sort of say, oh, I'm interested. And then she has a certain length of time, like 24 hours to initiate the conversation. And then the man has 24 hours to respond. So it, it seemingly the idea is to put, um, put the woman like in the driver's seat of like the initial interaction. Right. That's the, but you, but so, 
do you think this was like a um a noble worthy goal and it just d- didn't work out or if it or was it kind of like yeah or, or like or this was somehow like tainted <laughs> tainted to begin with well so let's circle back to grinder i don't think it is uh, stepping into like dangerous stereotypes because it's you know some people straight it do- doesn't matter what your sexuality is some people do just want to ha- hook up some people you know cruising is a legitimate expression of your sexuality and that's what grinder was as far as i'm as far as i'm educated on it that's what grinder is for create created for the problem is taking it out of that not only taking it out of a gay context but then a step further treating it like that um you know that form of interaction could translate to dating or relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're already flawed from the start because, yeah, Tinder's act. It, it if you're if you just want to fuck someone, why not just evaluate them on their looks? Mm-hmm. Or you know, if not their looks, what they're sexually interested in, and a, a small list of things. You know, their location, how quickly they can get to you. It becomes problematic when you're then deluding yourself that this is going to be more than that mm-hmm. because i mean the thing about the thing about hookups is it is a it's it is a transaction because you know exactly what you want you the goal is clear a relationship the goal isn't clear that's a, it's a journey that you find out you know whatever you guys get to know each other it's not quite the, the same right um so was this okay so what, what was it about bumble that in particular, that it was it the, was it the idea that kind of like the woman was being put in control, but actual but in actuality the man was still in control. Ultimately, I mean, so what is it, like? Why did I choose to write about Bumble? Yeah, or what? Did, what you said Bumble was creepy AF. Why? Uh, why? Why that in particular? Because Bumble, I think of the, of the apps is the most in denial of itself. Like Tinder, sort of knows what it is. And it tries to apologize for it almost. So they have Swipe Life. Um, you know, a lot of their advertising is a little bit self-aware, but they're sort of in too deep, right? Like initially, they were sort of in the you know the Bumble camp of trying to make it look like it was something else. But they eventually they realized um, <coughs> Hinge, while also annoying in my opinion, also is somewhat self-aware. You know, they acknowledge that you don't want to be using their app. Bumble, yes. on the other hand, is like all their marketing seems to suggest you're empowered by this. Like they're still like they've missed the memo. They don't get that like no one's happy using this. And even like their expansions into like making friends and networking, like it's more of a lifestyle product in a way that even though Tinder sort of does the same thing, Bumble is like it's like the wing. Like they have no idea like everyone's sort of like laughing at them. You know what I mean? Okay, um, so so for, to clarify some terms for people who aren't in this world, so Hinge is another app that uh, markets itself as like we want you to delete this app, like we want to, to get you into a long term relationship, so you are not on this app anymore. Um, and the, the 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 difference with Hinge is um, you don't you you get alerted when someone likes you, whether which which uh, sex you are. Uh, so you don't need to wait for a match. And then it does seem, the, the, just the, as I've seen it, the kind of the type of people who use Hinge are maybe more professional people than the type of people who are using Tinder, at least. Um, and then, so the, and then the wing, correct me if I'm wrong, is like a kind of uh, co-working space slash kind of social group 
for professional women that is popular in New York and San Francisco and kind of, but some people have like criticism of it as promoting like a false sense of like girl bossism, which is a kind of a term that you also use in the, in the essay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, and then it's interesting that Bumble has these other things you can do and you can't actually do them at the same time. So you can either use the dating app or the friend, the friend app, or the like professional networking app, and I I have no idea how many people are using the latter two. It's probably like one or two percent. But it is interesting because it's, I mean, like, there's a problem with that I've noticed in my own life of um, you know, once you're like past the age of thirty or so, especially if you're a man, it's hard to uh, make friends uh, in you know in the world uh, out there because you know I'm a person who telecommutes and um, you know most people just make friends through work or maybe if they belong to a church or something they. Uh, make friends that way, and yeah, so that seems like a pro- an admirable problem to try to to try to help with, um, but uh, it's probably not going gangbusters. But anyway, and then yeah, so then, then there's something that's more like almost like a LinkedIn kind of professional networking <laughs> aspect to it as well. And I have trouble seeing anyone really using that. But maybe maybe in San Francisco, do you know anyone who who uses the, uh, the professional networking part? You know, it's funny. I without even opening my mouth, I repel anyone who would. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, it, I joke, it's part of the reason I, so of the apps, Hinge appealed to me the most, um, because it, you, you have to be at least a little bit more deliberate with it. Like, you know, I remember OkCupid, and at least there you had to, like, fill out a profile, and you wouldn't just, like, the opening messages would be a little more robust. Hinge strikes me as a little bit similar, but the only people who use Hinge are, like, San Francisco yuppies, and I, I mean, it is... I just push them away without even <laughs> they, they know instinctively I'm not one of them. <laughs> okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of, it's funny to, I mean, so one of the things I noticed and I live in Jersey city now, so I, it's mostly people who are in uh, New York city who I see their profiles. There's, it's interesting to, th- to look at the careers of people and, um, uh, and you know, the type of people who, are signing up for the service, but also the algorithm, especially Hinge. The Hinge algorithm seems to be more t- a lot more tailored than the Tinder Tinder algorithm because I get about like fifty seven five percent Jewish women when I didn't specify <laughs> that, but I think maybe because like Jewish women see my name or something, and then they they're more likely you to can, like me or or what you exactly. Can filter out. You can <clears throat> Hinge is interesting because you can choose to only see people of a certain height, certain religion, certain. So it might be that like people. They, you know, the people who are, who like you are women who are looking for Jewish men. Right. So that's, that's very possible. Um, and yeah. And then the, the type of jobs There's one, I was joking on Twitter a couple of times that the, the job that I didn't even know existed that I've seen very, very often that a lot of women have here is a speech language pathologist. Um, and there, there just must be a lot of speech language pathology in New York city because there's like dozens upon dozens of women who do this job that I, I never even heard of. But that's, so that's a side note. But um, so you see an interesting cross-section of, of people uh, uh, doing this kind of thing. And yeah, and, and then, yeah, hinges. I don't I don't know if it's exactly yuppie, yuppie types in New York, at least among women. It's, uh, you know, a lot of teachers and social workers and uh, people like that. So not like a ton of investment banker or corporate <laughs> lawyer types, though there are, there are some of that. But anyway, okay. So... So I guess so. So okay. So you you were alienated from this process, but I assume like some of these actually led to real life encounters, and were those good, bad, uh, so, neutral, or 
I've actually only met one person off any app. I so I, I tried I tried Tinder. It like wouldn't work on my phone. I didn't really like it. Deleted it. Hinge. I couldn't meet anyone because it was just I like kept getting like yuppies, but yuppies don't like me. And <laughs> so, then I tried, can I just ask what is it about you that yuppies don't like? I don't know. I have a couple of theories. I I don't know. It's just it doesn't. I'm like I don't too internety. I guess. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, and then I tried Bumble, and the one person I met off of Bumble was, like, a WikiLeaks-obsessed, like, Tulsi Gabbard fan. And then and then I just was like, I'm, whatever. <laughs> I clearly wasn't built for these, <laughs> for these apps. Okay. Um, so, I mean, one thing you mentioned in the article is, like, and I've, I've definitely had this thought, too, is, like, the, the apps present you with this, like, infinite number of alternatives and so you're always you you're you can't help but think like there's something better out there because whatever you do if you swipe left or right or dismiss or like this person another woman for 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 a straight man pops up immediately and it's it made me think a little bit of like when you're like starting a new like netflix series and then you you get like 30 minutes into the episode and you're like this isn't really going anywhere there's ten thousand other netflix series that I could possibly be watching instead. I'm sure some of those are better than the one I'm currently watching. So I'm going to jump ship on this one and like scroll through and see if I can find something better. So that like, neither, you know, neither of these options existed 20 years ago of thinking like, you, you know, you could just be served up infinite content or infinite like profiles of single people. Um, and it does, it seems psychologically damaging to, to think like, well, okay, so it, it, it's like it's like a capitalist utopia in some sense because you have infinite choice and you can find the exact type of person or exact type of Netflix streaming show you want. Um, but at the same time, there's you know these well-known studies about how more choices actually makes you less happy with a thing you ultimately settle on. And you know, if in your pocket you have the sense that there's dozens of other p- potentialities out there, then maybe you're like c- committing less time to the person who's actually in front of your face. I mean, it's it, it's funny too that, like, concurrent to all of to all of this, uh, the sort of incel mindset has become more and more mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that no, actually, straight men don't have limitless options. It's women who have limitless options. It seems to be there's these competing beliefs, and regardless of what you know camp you fall into, people really believe it, and there's evidence for both. <laughs> Yeah, and all all this stuff about, um, especially, there was an article in New York Magazine about a year ago um, about this, like, one plastic surgeon who specializes in um, uh, uh, male, uh, you know, facial enhancement, and especially, like, giving men, like, like stereotypically, like, square jaws and, and other kind of things that these incel-type men think they need in order to attract a woman. And all, so, it, it, yeah, so the... Um, you know the the image the image is very important in all these apps, and I, you know, I assume if you, you know, are very unattractive, then it's it's hard for you to get matched in in any sort. But the um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like the 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 obsession that the culture imposed upon women about their looks, like now exists for men as well because the women are like are looking at men. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it. it- it's so it's so weird because when I was in New York, 
and it might have just been the the era or the circles I was traveling in. It really did feel like men had unlimited options and women were disposable. And now you hear constantly about hypergamy and like, you know, women can go like way out of their league, like way above their like sexual market value. It's it's so strange how the 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 rhetorics flipped completely. And I, I think dating apps and also where you are geographically seems to affect the, the you know the extreme ends of the spectrum in that conversation. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, I hear this all the time from even male friends, and I feel like the women I speak to, you know, don't necessarily feel like they can date anyone, you know, there's the, but there's a sense in the conversation that women have their pick. Yeah, and that, that, that seems to be, you know, the, like, incel, like, the misogyny, like, inherent in the incel uh, ideology such as it is, that, like, they, you know... Yeah, the, the, the like they they are like deserving of, of something, um, or like you know the, the the I don't even want to get into all this, but you know there's like all these it's like if you're a three, then like you should match with a three, but like because of you know like so, some like man out there is like who's like a nine is getting all like all the women that the entire like thing is screwed up, but this is like not how how real life works. Okay, so I mean the um okay, so you mentioned you have a boyfriend. Did you? So you must have met in a through a non um a non-dating app <laughs> situation. Uh, uh, well, how, did so, that, how did that come about? <laughs> how do people actually meet in the real world? Uh, still? So an, an ex, ex-boyfriend, actually, so back okay. on the market once again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, <clears throat> kind of embarrassingly use Twitter as my dating app. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I, probably not super super great to admit um, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm new to the Bay, so it's like my one way of meeting people. Um, so Will, who's my ex-boyfriend, he, I don't, was posting all sorts of weird occult stuff. So I reached out to him and we hung out a couple of times and then we dated. Okay. So, okay. So it was still mediated by, you know, the internet. Uh, right. even though, yeah, I mean, I've heard, yeah, Twitter, uh, I've not used it this way myself, uh, but it it can be used as a, as a dating app. You know, you DM someone, um, and then I've heard through a, da- uh, a comedy dating podcast that they're, they're like these these two people who are like in their late twenties said that uh, you know the dating apps are over, they're dead. It's like the Instagram DMs is that's that's the hot spot uh, these days. Um, so, but I've <laughs> maybe that's what the younger people and then you know Snapchat or something. Our possibilities also, but, um, yeah, but obviously, like, you know, it, before, before this era, you would meet someone, like, through work or through some sort of, like, social group or a church or synagogue or something or, or at a bar, possibly, um, and a lot, of, so a lot of those things have faded away, like, there, you know, there aren't, like, bowling leagues and other kind of <laughs> things where, um, like like strangers get together in some sort of social group and fewer people go to uh religious institutions than they used to especially in like large metropolitan areas and um and even work like more people are doing like gig based work and it's not like the um you know the uh accountant is like get, like going to get up together with the secretary or something like that that would have happened 
you know, 50 years ago. So, 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 but there, but people like people are getting together. Like you see, uh, you know, you see couples with small children all the time. So, so somehow it's, it's working out for some people. Um, uh, do you have any, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on, on that? Like, it, like, it, you know, I think there's a line in, um, in, um, uh, much ado about nothing where, where Benedict is convincing himself that, you know, he's trying to argue himself out of being in love with Beatrice, but he's, but he can't help it because he is in love. And he says at the end, um, the world must be peopled. Uh, you know, like we, we have to do this. Like we have to keep this whole thing going. And so it's, it seems to be happening every day. So I don't, I don't know. I'm rambling. What do you, what do you have any thoughts on that? Um, well, I guess, so to circle back to Twitter, I feel like in some ways, like Twitter is sort of like a public, like I make a lot of friends on Twitter too. And that's, that's the whole, that's my whole default friend project. I meet tons of people mm-hmm. off of Twitter. Um, and so to me, that's, it's, it's analogous to meeting someone at like a coffee shop. Cause it sort of is, it's just like an online coffee shop. Um, I think that more people, people are more comfortable meeting others online because there is that safety of like, you don't have to, you know, talk to them in, in person first. Right. Um, there's a little bit of, it's, it is, you know, if someone ignores your message, you just move on. If someone rejects you at a bar, it's a little bit more humiliating. Uh, I think people, there's, I, I often hear that you can't talk to strangers anymore. I think that's untrue. I think people are just afraid to, or there's less, there's less of an environment, like the environment invites it a little bit less. But I think if you were to go up to someone in a bar, the reaction probably would have been the same, if it, you know, as it would have been. 20 years ago people just aren't doing it right um yeah that's that would make sense to me i mean there's like there's a type of bar i guess you go to if you want to possibly meet someone or get picked up or pick someone up uh, so it's kind of that almost is like i mean the thing about the thing that i do like about the app is it's like the the initial step of being like i am available or i'm interested in something like has been passed over so like you you know like some sort of crazy person would be like hitting on random people on the street, just like on the off <laughs> hope that, that it might somehow work out or, but you know, like this person is either single or some sort of open relationship and they're at least, you know, the, like that first step has been, been surmounted. And then it's like, so it's, you know, if you go up to someone in a bar and start hitting on them, they might just have been like, they just wanted a drink. So they just went to this bar and then they're just like, Hey man, I don't, I'm not interested. And then that's embarrassing. I for mean, everyone. cutting, Cutting out that risk, though, is just, I mean, I, I don't think we've gained much by cutting out that risk. Sure, the apps, like, work for some people, right? But, like, there's something, like, thrilling and you notice someone and maybe it'll work. Or, like, getting to know, even, like, you like someone and you meet at, like, a meetup group or something or through a hobby or at work. Well, maybe not at work, but through, <laughs> through a hobby. And you go out with them and, like, t- determining whether or not you'll ask them out at all right like determining whether or not there's chemistry to then develop a romance you i feel like you miss out on a lot of friendships too because you know not everything's gonna you're not gonna have romantic chemistry with everyone i don't know i it it cuts out like something that seems very important to the human experience Mm -hmm. um so let's talk about a little bit about the uh kind of like your the anti-capitalist or anti-market logic critique that you had because i thought that was that was interesting and and yeah it's it's somewhat surprising to be in appearing in the conservative claremont institute but yeah you so so please uh uh talk a little bit about that i so i mean 
My problem with it, and I, I don't think it just appears in um, the dating world. I think it appears sort of everywhere. And the only place it does make sense to me is maybe like a workplace is this idea of like optimizing for like the best possible match. Cause there's, there's certain like human things that you can't possibly con- convey in that way. Like when you're buying a car, all of these things are static, right? Like the car is, is there is a best car for you, right? Or like a best computer or a best, you know, cell phone with people. There's things that it, it's just, there's, there's no way to quantify them. Like the way someone smells or like, you know, the way they smile and that it seems like really trite to say out loud, but it, it's like, no one's thinking of these little things. Um, like, you know, when I think of, I, I was previously married and when I think of my husband, it's like the things that I miss aren't like his attractiveness level or his job, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's like, you know, the way he like smiled when he got up and made coffee or like little things like that, that I think are, those are the building blocks of romantic relationships. Not it's the, of course the other things are important, but it's to cut that out is to cut out the relationship part. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, parts of the, so parts of those are things that these intangible things that you can, you'd never be able to capture through a digital medium. But I mean, that's like, you know, you don't like continue. The relationship doesn't continue on the app. Like, it, you know, it goes in if it's a successful relationship. No, but it is the real world. You, and then, you like, cut you can... people out, right? You never, you, you'll never see them. Okay, like, so the person I, with the good smile, it, you, <laughs> you'll. Uh... Or like, or you know, whatever thing, right? Like, there's, there's people. Like, if you're evaluating people through the lens of the app, it's like, well, you know, this person is too short or too, too old or like things that you realize perhaps aren't as important if you meet them in real life. Right. Um, or even if you meet them through, an, you know, another internet forum, like if you meet someone on Facebook or Twitter where like, you're not going in on, you're not going into it, like evaluating them, like something that you're basically not by, but you know, where there's a transaction there, it's like you talk to them, either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's like the, the, the like snap judgment that you make when you're like swipe which way and dismiss or like try to match with like that seems to be the um, like that's a dehumanizing moment of like judging someone in a split second of being like, you know, get them out of here or, you know, or they're hot. Let's let's keep going. Um, okay. So. So, yeah, so that's I, I that's I definitely agree that that is dehumanizing. Um but yeah, just also like bringing the market logic into this very intimate realm. And I, you know, like economics has always been connected to, you know, matchmaking and the other things. And like the, you know, I, like I was, I was thinking actually that the, you know, the, the modern dating is, you know, it, inve- it seems like, like a post-World War II invention, you know, like, like before that, you know, there's, there's of course arranged marriages and maybe, or maybe you would meet someone twice and then it would be agreed that you would be married and, so, you know, we, we created this system and it isn't like that was the ideal system or the natural system, um, but all sorts of other systems well, existed. it feels like, and, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this isn't, this isn't like historical grounding, but like people obviously have like always been attracted to each other, whether or not that's, and they enter into like a formalized relationship 
you know, that has different historical norms. It feels like we're capturing sort of that, like, you know, the woman that you cheat on your wife with, that should be the woman that, you you know, you know what I mean? Like that should be the woman who's your wife. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like that is sort of what the, the change was. Cause there's always like crushes and, you know, people have chemistry with whoever, and right. there's whatever, there's whatever relationship, but that's not necessarily going to be your formal romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so can you also talk a little bit about the girl boss aspect of it, which is, I think is interesting. I think the, 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 the backlash to girl boss ism or whatever over the past couple of years has been interesting. I mentioned in a previous episode of this, an article that was in the times I've page last year, that was the headline was something like women shouldn't lean in, men should lean out. Um, and yeah, that whole, I don't know. I, I think it's it, like, it's just interesting that <laughs> the, the backlash to this, uh, but what, yeah. Can you uh, talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, you know, and I feel like it's connected sort of to removing, like, these intangibles in dating. Um, this, like, sense of, pick, you know, picking men and viewing <clears throat> viewing them as objects as though that's an empowering choice. When really, I feel like if you want to be empowering, like, maybe put women in the driver's seat and change you know, like allow that to have relationships be like a little bit more robust. And so it feels like this, it's this like message where it's, it's, it's powerful if, if you, if you just want to like fuck someone and leave, which to me, it feels dated to say, cause I feel like we're really moving away from that. Like not so many, you know, people increasingly don't believe that. Right. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of is like where, it makes sense that that like a conservative um, outlet publishes because there is sort of like a, you know, um, you know, are men and women exactly the same? Are men and women different? Conservatives believe that more that men and women are different, and they want they want different things from sexual relationships. Um, and yeah, there was there's a strain. I don't know. If, I don't even I don't even know if you call it feminism, but some sort of thinking of like yeah, the, the it's a it'll be a victory for women if if women are allowed to behave more like men. And in some ways, in the bad ways that that men behave. And I remember a blog post from maybe a decade or so ago uh, from I think it was Amanda Marcotte. And there was some sort of news story about like a uh, college uh, women's softball team or something like that who had like kind of gone on a had like a wild party at a hotel or something and like wrecked the hotel and then like it made the news. And and she was like kind of celebrating this as like, you know, this is like what the boys, the boys teams were like have been doing. Uh, forever as you know acting acting wild and and going nutso and having fun and so that was in her view if i'm remembering this correctly that was kind of a good thing that the the girls got to act like total assholes also and i remember thinking like well should we be encouraging like non-assholishness like across the gender spectrum instead of celebrating women acting like assholes also there's like this mistake i think that was made where we want to like remove the shame around that kind of behavior like Maybe not that kind of behavior, but like or sexual behavior, for example. Mm-hmm. And instead, it was like they, it, there was like a huge overcorrection. Like you shouldn't, as you know, as a woman, um, you shouldn't be shamed for having a sex drive. That, that you know, that then doesn't mean that you need to model like this sort of like playboy behavior. Mm-hmm. And and some some women do want that, and that's that's good. You know, if if that's what you authentically want, and that's what makes you happy, and it's you know, you're doing it in a safe way or whatever, 
whatever, that's who you, that's who you are. But then selling that as that's what the norm should be is problematic because it exhausts people. Yeah, or, people, or, that, or that this is empower. This that. is like this is empowerment if you are right. like trying to live live this way that you may not want to actually uh, right. actually live. Um, and it it seems like the shame still isn't removed. It's just now we we're sort of looking at it through this like funhouse mirror, right? Um, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. Just you know, in the past ten years or so, how the conversation has changed. I think of like the term "fuckboy," um, you know, uh, which is kind of what you know. Like I remember when I was in like middle and high school, like people would call girls like "she's a hoe," um, and that was just a, com- a common thing to say, and. Uh, you know, if the, so, like, the girls, like, slept with a couple guys, or she, yeah, she was, like, had sexual desires of her own, then, like, we, we apparently thought that that was a bad thing, and then, like, the fuckboy kind of seems to be somewhat the, like, female equivalent of that, and everyone, everyone hates the fuckboy, as far, as far as I can tell from online discourse, um, but it's, but it's also, like, yeah, so it's not like he's the player, the playboy anymore, uh, you know, Big Pimpin', he's, like, you know the, the the man who's who's doing this kind of thing is also is also like reprehensible and, and pathetic in some way. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I I wonder like the relationship between like the term fuckboy. I, well, I should say this with like acknowledging that fuckboy came out of. I, I'm pretty sure it came out of um, AAV. Um, but at fuckboy among you know a broader audience, I wonder like what the relationship is between that term and sort of the changing lens of sexuality. Yeah, I mean, and it's also seems like, like the- I actually don't know. I, there was an article that, a couple of years ago that's like fuckboy doesn't mean what you think it means, and I actually don't know what the actual meaning of it is. Only what it means, sort of in mainstream. Conversation. Well, maybe the fuckboys are trying to take fuckboy back as a term yeah. that they can like proudly, you know, march down the street and call themselves fuckboys. Uh, but it seems like that, like that is that's tied up in like the app lifestyle, um, right. also of you know having like potential access to, to dozens of women. Um, okay, so so you are you are off the apps. You're on Twitter. Uh, are you, are you looking, are you looking for love? Are you, what are you, what are you doing? Um, Do you want people to send you DMs who see your no, lovely face, um, uh, from this episode and hear your lovely voice or are you, are you taking a break from all, from all that or, or what exactly? No, uh, no, please don't DM me for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, so yeah, not, not looking for anything actively, um, yeah, I guess that that's just no on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but do, do, can you see yourself going back to this uh, this electronic world at some point, or do, are you thoroughly like put off by it? I, I yeah, it, I, I I can't personally do it. I I also like am very turned off by the idea of like meeting someone for like what both parties know is a date. I don't know why. Like I have to just sort of like even you know when I meet people off Twitter, I. So I am a little bit ashamed to admit this, but I've, I've dated two people off of Twitter who are like, I met them on Twitter first and then we hung out and then we eventually dated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but even that, like, we had to, like, hang out first as friends, like, a few times. And then, like, okay, this, you know, this can work. This could be a relationship. Or we could date, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this, the idea of, like, approaching someone and, like, going on a date first for some reason just, I don't know. Especially through an app. Because, like, what if you what if you get there and, like, there's just, such, like, again, like, this like, intangible thing. There's, like, you're not attracted to them, but, like, for no reason. And then mm. kind of, there's like an awkwardness there. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think the dating app is not for you if you, if you don't like going on first dates. Um, but maybe maybe Bumble Friend is uh, <laughs> would be more up your alley. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I haven't I haven't tried that one myself. But I'm open to you know I'm open to fr- uh, friends. Would like to make friends. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, mean, I think Twitter is good for making friends. Um, it's uh, great for making friends. Yeah, uh, and enemies. Um, uh, both. Oh, yeah, I know. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I think th- that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything else you want to say about the topic before we <laughs> sign off? Um, I don't think so. No, it's nice, nice chatting with you. Okay, well, default friend. So you are on Twitter. It's default underscore friend. Is that right? Yep. Default underscore friend. Um, and you can uh, be default friend's friend as well on Twitter. And uh, you can also be my friend on Twitter by following me at <laughs> A-R-Y-H-C-W. Um, and uh, so thanks for coming on and talking about a, a personal topic. Um, and uh, I hope uh, our viewers and listeners appreciated it. Uh, so we'll uh, see you again next time. All right. Bye.